Welcome to another episode of the Get Back Coach presented by Apollo Media. Championship week is in the books. The dust has settled. The smoke has cleared. And we have our final four teams for the college football playoff. Before we take a look at the college football playoff, we got to recap championship week. But also, big news coming from yesterday from the coach carousel. Scott Satterfield will be leaving Louisville to take the head job at Cincinnati, which is pretty coincidental considering, one, Cincinnati and Louisville rivals, and two, they're about to play each other in the Fenway Bowl. So a lot of drama going into that bowl game. Uh, Jay, what do you think about Satterfield? Did you see this coming at all? So it's a weird one because I think both parties were kind of looking for a reason to part ways. Uh, I know Satterfield was linked to the South Carolina job uh, before Beamer took it. Uh, and then also, I mean, he was on the hot seat until he won too much. Uh, but I did not see him leaving for Cincinnati, of all places. No. Uh, you know, there's, like you said, it's it's, it's funny that they're going to be playing each other uh, in the bowl game. But then you also think about it, I mean, Obviously, Louisville is probably the more well-known program uh, nationwide, but these programs are an hour and a half apart. Yeah, and there is a little bit of Big East history there. Uh, it, it's it's an interesting move for sure. I mean, I'm not going to call it a rivalry, but there's definitely some some rivalry aspects to this. Uh, and uh, Cincinnati, obviously, going to the Big Twelve, going to be in a Power Five conference. But yeah, I, I would uh, I did not see this one coming. Not, I mean, Satterfield wasn't even on my radar for this as an Addy job. No, me, me neither. And it is a little poetic because, I mean, you look at Satterfield, he hasn't been great at Louisville. I mean, eight and five, four and seven, six and seven, um, and now another seven and five this year. And he was a guy that he, they pretty much told him, like, hey, you're, if you lose again, you're done. And then he rattles off like five wins in a row. He kind of saves their season. I do think Satterfield, again, I'm going to speculate a little bit. I think he was like, oh, they want to get rid of me? Screw them. Um, I'm going to keep looking for other jobs. And then the Cincinnati one comes open. And I and I will disagree with you with, with this, Jay. I think they are rivals. They're one of those rivals that don't necessarily play they just don't play each other enough because they got the keg of nails you know they have a little bit of trophy here um but i don't know it's and again in in total college football fashion they're going to be playing against each other and because of how the bowl set up they're going to be on the same sideline with each other um i guess satterfield a reporter asked them which had to be self-aware of so are you going to coach the bowl game and he's like for what team like what are you <laughs> like he's like he was like dumbfounded um but yeah it's it, it was a little bit of a shock he ended up his louisville tenure uh 25 and 24 again not really setting the world on fire they wanted to get rid of him i think he was ticked off because he was on the hot seat so now he gets a cincinnati job but jay i have one more question for you what is what's the better job right now cincinnati or louisville 
I don't know. I mean, there's some some ifs and ands and buts about Louisville and, and conference realignment. Uh, you know, we don't know if Cincinnati, we don't know if the Big 12 is going to be around. We don't know if the ACC is going to be around. It kind of depends on what happens with those. There's some some things there. Uh, Cincinnati has better, I think, talent top to bottom, or at least they've been better in recent years. But Louisville, I mean, it wasn't that long ago they had Lamar Jackson there, and uh, that program was doing pretty well. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure. I mean, I, I don't know what's the better job. All I know is Louisville fans are got to be kind of heartbroken right now because, you know, the, the football team has been okay. Generally speaking, Louisville thinks of themselves as a, as a basketball school. And uh, that's not going well right now either. That is not. It's bad. It is really bad. And hey, you bring up Lamar Jack just came out of like, dude, Malik Cunningham was pretty damn good too. Um, and like, that's the thing. I think Louisville had a little bit of success, but I, I just think, I think Cincinnati is in a better place. Um, they were a better place in the AAC. I don't know how they're going to be in the Big 12, to be completely honest. I, I think in the Big 12, I think they are going to be a little comparable to Louisville. So I, I wish these teams would play more often. I love a good trophy matchup, but you know these two teams are an hour and a half away. I wish they would play more, but no, this one definitely was a bit of a shocker. Now, here's the next question. Does this open the door for Jeff Brom to come home to Louisville? See, I don't know, because like, the, the rumors of Jeff Brom to Louisville were already happening last cycle. Mm-hmm. Uh, he just took Purdue to a Big Ten West championship and the, and the Big Ten title game. Uh, I don't know. I, I feel like, I feel like that's Purdue's a safer job. If I'm being honest, I think I'd rather be at Purdue, and Purdue's also gonna be Power Five. Like they're in the they'll, Big Ten. They'll probably the Big Ten's not going anywhere. No, yeah. no, the Big Ten is the Big Ten is safe. I mean, even if no, it'll never happen, the Big Ten will never go anywhere. But yeah, uh, Purdue is safe. Maybe that's what Jeff Brom is kind of thinking. Um, and like you said, he – listen, Purdue is respectable. They are a respectable program. They should be ranked. Uh, don't get me started on that. Rank them, you cowards. But they – I do think it's a good – He he's – they're on a high trajectory. Here's the thing. Purdue's never going to win 10 games, okay? Uh, very rarely will they ever win 10 games. I mean, they, they did with Drew. They I think were, they can. You it's not they, likely, but I think they can occasionally. In the West. Again, they are yeah. in the West. But with the but all, although I will say the West is gonna get a little bit interesting and I'm not sure uh if Purdue is gonna stay in the West. I mean with UCLA they, and USC coming in. Well, I think Purdue would move to the East because you have you have Indiana, Indiana in the East already. You have Indiana in the East. So they'll put those two together and then for rivalry week you have Rutgers, Maryland, Penn State, Michigan State. Um, Michigan, uh, Ohio State, which, I mean, I think that makes the most sense sense if you're going to make East versus West or East and West divisions, but I I think they're going to get away from them. Um, Yeah, and that also, just with the sheer amount of teams, I mean, it's the same thing with the the SEC getting Texas and OU. Like, we're probably going to go to a pod format uh, or at least a – you have three opponents that you play every year and then you rotate through the others. 
yeah. don't remember exactly what the variety is called, but uh, I, I did. Yeah, we'll we'll see what happens. I did see um, a little off topic. The Big Ten, and I, I think the SEC is going to try to do something the same. That if you play all four years, that you'll be able to visit. If you play all four years, that you'll be able to visit every away school. Or sorry, like you'll you'll play every team away at some point if you stay all four years, which I think is a great method. It's um, fantastic, and I think that's like one of those things where, as a fan, it's awesome too because it never gets stale. You know, you're you're gonna play every. You know, Penn State will play Minnesota. You know, twice every four years, which is nice. So it's, um. Anyway, yeah. So Jeff Brown to Ill Louisville, maybe. Uh, Purdue is probably a safer job, and he has Purdue trending up. Why would you want to start all over again at Louisville? And to be honest, Purdue might be a better job than Louisville anyway. Like, even without it being safe, I think Purdue might be a better job. I think they're at least comparable. They are. I think it would yes. be a lateral move. It now, would. obviously, the the one thing is it, it's, it's home. I mean, Jeff Rom's a Louisville alum, but that's – Really, the only thing I see in in Louisville's favor. That's that's the only positive. Um, but yeah, so Satterfield to Cincinnati to the Bearcats. Um, all right. Uh, next, we've talked about this a bunch. Deion Sanders uh, finally makes it official at Colorado. Um, you know, we said all the different things about Deion already. He's going to bring a spark to the program. He's going to um, at least get eyes on a program. He's going to be able to recruit. He's going to get some Jimmys and Joes in there. Now, what we have not talked about is that over the weekend, he had two speeches that went viral, one to his team that he's leaving and one to the team that he is going into in Colorado. Um, Jay, before I ask you what your thoughts are, this personally, I didn't mind. I liked the speech of him leaving. I like the speech of him leaving saying, listen, this is how things are, but I'm going to talk. Don't just jump in the portal because you might get, you'll never come out. I want to talk to each of you. I'll shoot you straight. Okay. Probably also wants to take some of those guys with him. Maybe. Uh, Travis Hunter. Travis Hunter. Um, (laughs) Now, I don't know if I loved the speech of Colorado. I think he walked a very fine line of there are going to be some changes around here and just straight up disrespect. (laughs) Listen, I know Colorado's bad. Okay. And I know he's not going to sugarcoat it. And I know you and I have probably been in meeting rooms where things were 10 times worse than what was said there. But your first meeting with the team, and I understand you're going to say, Hey, got to get some changes, but your first meeting, you basically say, you better get right or jump in the portal. Some of you guys better jump in the portal. Um, or also saying, I got luggage with me. And then talks about his son being number one quarterback. Like, oh, I don't love that either. Um, I think I didn't like him uh, propping his son up there. Because I think that creates a bad situation for his son. But... I don't know. I didn't. I didn't love him coming into Colorado. So there's two things to this in my mind. All the stuff about the portal and like some of you guys got to get right. That I don't. I don't. It doesn't bother me at all. Every coach says that. Uh, yeah. I've 
you know, I've had guys that I knew through the recruiting process that uh, had similar things kind of going where I think Spencer, uh, Spencer Hall, uh, at ED, uh, whatever it is, I can't even get the every day should be Saturday. Uh, ED SBS. Uh, Spencer posted a, a tweet and it was like, he remembers a coach that, that came into it and said, you guys got the last fired. You're not going to get me fired. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> that is par for the course. Anytime there's a coaching change. I mean, even if it's not a head coaching change, I remember when uh, Mark Snyder was already his coordinator, got fired after the 2014 season. And, you know, I was already kind of on the way out just because of my shoulder problems. Uh, but I was still kind of around for meetings and, and John Chavis comes in, uh, A&M had hired him away from LSU and he comes in and, you know, he set the tone for the defense right away. I mean, like I said, I was kind of already, uh, on my way out just due to injury, but, uh, there was a lot of, you know, y'all didn't play good defense last year. We're going to play good defense. We're going to play hard. And if you're not with that, then. You're going to have to find another place to play. So, I mean, it's that is par for the course. On the other side, like you said, the propping his son up. That is a little bit, a uh, little bit awkward, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's plenty of nepotism in college football. Uh, you see guys like getting jobs that maybe they shouldn't. Uh, I think. Uh, oh, I know Urban, that at. Oh, I know that at Penn State. <laughs> I think uh, maybe one of the, the clearest examples was uh, Colorado State running their coaching search, and the only person they consulted was uh, Urban Meyer, and that's how Steve Adazio ended up out there. But uh, there's there's always going to be favoritism in college football. Mm-hmm. Honestly, part of me appreciates Dion just being open about it. <laughs> like, yeah, at least Transparency. he's at least he's transparent. Uh, but I don't, I don't love that. Uh, that's yeah. that's the part of it that I'm like, uh, that that makes me feel a little bit weird inside. Yeah, the, but, the uh, bringing the luggage with me and well, the bringing uh, the luggage is. I mean, you have to know that he's going to have kids transferring in. Yeah, but I know that. But the thing is, with the luggage thing, any Jackson State kid that goes in there, I, I think. Again, I could be wrong. I can I can see that already creating factions within the team, and that is worrisome because he's got because now all those guys that know they're going to stay are now sitting there like, oh, you are now. But again, is that his grand scheme to make them hate each other and then that rise to the occasion and then and then the bond? Remember the Titan style. Well, and the other thing is like. You know it's a business at, at the oh, D1 yeah. football level. Mm-hmm. As an athlete, you know it's a business. Uh, and, like, there were guys at AM, I come in under someone that were still around for the Sherman area, the Sherman era. That does it too, and yeah. it's like you're going to be closer with the guys in your class anyway. Mm-hmm. right? There's, there's naturally some clicks. You're, you're going you're gonna to be closer with your position group. You're going to be closer with the guys in your recruiting class. Yeah. So – while it can be a little bit divisive, I mean, I don't think that's anything completely out of the ordinary. Mm-hmm. No, uh, absolutely. There are, 
I, I don't think enough people realize that at the college level because I think they're just used to what they did in high school and everyone's a big happy family a lot of times in high school locker rooms. And then you go to a college one where there's like 85 dudes and you spend every waking moment with one particular group. Yeah, you're going to be a lot more closer than those with those guys. And uh, you're all kind of competing against each other too at the same time because you want to get out there on the field to try to go yeah. to the next level. Mm-hmm. No, yeah. It, Whereas, it is, like high school, you generally know who the guys are. Yeah, exactly. There is. We all say there's. I mean, there is competition at high schools, but for the most part, there's like one or two guys that like might get in there to challenge you. Whereas in college, there's literally someone every year trying to take your spot, and not just your spot, but everyone's spots up for grabs for the most part, you know. But, um, but yeah, I, I just think it's gonna make. I, it has potential to make a division um, within the team, especially with his son. Um, and also, if you want, like, what quarterback is going to, I don't think there's going to be any quarterback that's going to transfer there. I mean, I don't know. It, I think that's going to be really tough for a quarterback to go into that situation. Now, I don't think Dion's going to play favorites. I don't, but I just think it's going to make, it's going to make an awkward situation for everyone involved. I also do think that he's going to get some incredible recruits in the portal. Also true. Also true. Has Travis Travis Hunter said he's going to Colorado yet? Uh, that is the, the big one right there. But I love the hire, and I love Colorado. I think that's great for Colorado. Colorado is a good job. It's a good job. You have a, a cool stadium. Boulder, Colorado is beautiful. It's a beautiful campus. You have awesome uniforms. You have an awesome color scheme. You have great tradition. I mean, this is a good school. There, there. I hate that that school was eleven, one and eleven last year. And I mean, things have been not great at Colorado. They've had a couple years mm-hmm. uh, since like two thousand five, where they've been decent, but things haven't been great. People forget that from from nineteen eighty nine to nineteen ninety four. I'm going to read these rankings the, off to you. The McCarthy era. Yes, the the McCartney era. Uh, you have you have a a fourth ranked finish, a national championship, a twentieth ranked finish, a thirteenth ranked finish, a sixteenth ranked finish, and a third ranked finish. Like that's six really incredible years. And then Rick Neuheisel came in and, and he was doing well too before he left for Washington. Yeah. So it's not like Colorado's a program with no history. They have now, a share before, of a national. They they have a share of a national title. Mixed yeah, in exactly. there too. Yeah. It's dude, and that's how what, did New I mean, Heisel do? How how, how New, did New Heisel do? So New Heisel, I know, had at least one top five finish. Let okay. me see if I can pull that up. But didn't do bad. He was. I, I no. remember he was decent. Yeah. Well, and Hawkins did all right for a while there too. Uh, Barnett did decent. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was kind of sliding towards the end, but uh, so New Heisel had a fourth place finish. An eighth place finish, went five and six and eight and four, so he had two ten and two years back to back, which is, I mean, pretty pretty dang good, uh, especially playing in the Big Twelve at that time when Nebraska was oh, really yeah. really good. Uh, and then, then you had Gary Barnett come in, uh, and obviously you know that's kind of where the slide started, but it, even Gary Barnett there uh, had a ten and three season. A trip to the Fiesta Bowl. Uh, but really, it's been since 2005. You know, things haven't been great. No. Um, listen, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, 
also hope Colorado ends up going back to the Big 12 with the and then with Utah and then hopefully the Arizonas go there too because I think that would just be great for college football. Yeah, Colorado, Utah, Arizona, Arizona State. Yeah, I mean I think that's good. And I mean, you throw Texas Tech in there, and it's kind of like the old border conference. It is. Yeah, it's going to be great. Um, hopefully that happens. But we're not the commissioners of college football, at least not yet. Um, last coaching carousel. Um, this was a little bit of a surprise just because they were in the um, Conference USA Championship. Uh, Seth Luttrell uh, fired from North Texas uh, with a 44-44 and 44 record um, total. Um, I mean, he only had two winning seasons. Uh, he went nine and five in 2017, lost the New Orleans Bowl, and then this year he went seven and five. Then ended up going seven and six, uh, losing in the Conference USA Championship. Uh, they are set to play in the Frisco Bowl against Boise State. They're probably going to lose, but they they are going through a coaching change, so maybe they'll um, maybe they'll rise to the occasion like most teams do. But, uh, yeah, Jay, this was a little surprising just because North Texas seemed to be a solid team this year. But new conference, I, I do think that, hey, it's been a while. You have two winning seasons. Seven and five isn't going gonna, isn't gonna to save you. Seven and five, and they haven't won a bowl game under South Luttrell. Uh So you look at all the factors. Uh, Ren Baker gone to West Virginia. So now you got a new AD coming in. Uh if you look at it in a vacuum, it makes sense for North Texas to fire Seth Luttrell. Uh, but on the other hand, you look at the program history of North Texas, and that's not a place that has had success. No. It's just not. Uh, and that's why I think this is more surprising than anything is just because Seth Luttrell has provided a lot of stability there to a program that historically is not good. I also think part of it is a little bit of envy at that uh, – that opponent uh, that they had in the Conference USA game, they they have seen what UTSA has been able to do, and they're not really satisfied with just being a, a decent program. Uh, and I, I think that's a part of why they kind of want to move too. Jay, you you are a Texas man, so I, you should know more than me. But correct me if I'm wrong. Denton, Texas is not San Antonio. No. Is is there anything in Denton, Texas? Well, the thing is, Denton's only about 30, 45 minutes from the Metroplex of DFW, okay. uh, which yeah, it's is, a- it's not just completely in the middle of nowhere, but on, on the same token, like UTSA is in a major city. Mm-hmm. The closest major program to them is going to be University of Texas, but... You know, you're not really competing with University of Texas for recruits if you're if you're UTSA. Uh, you have Texas State, which is close, uh, and that's a better comparison. But Texas State hasn't been good, so UTSA is is kind of in its own little island there, uh, as a, as a mid strength program. North Texas, you look at the Metroplex, SMU, and TCU are both within 30, 45 minutes. And, I mean, obviously TCU is having a fantastic year, but SMU is going to get the mid-level recruits that North Texas would want. Right. Right. I mean, you, you look at the level of recruit there, 
and North Texas isn't going to be able to pull as much as uh, SMU, in my opinion. Right. Now, obviously, things can change. That can shake up pretty quickly, uh, depending on who you get in there as a coach. But it's – I don't know that I agree with this decision. Now, it, like you said, it does bring stability. I understand that there is going to be some frustration, especially with some envy to UTSA. But here's another thing that I was just thinking of. UTSA, San Antonio, um, the the Cowboys are, what, about three hours away, and Houston's about two and a half? So Dallas is about five hours from San Antonio. Uh, Houston's about two and a half. So if you want to watch high-level live football, okay, and you're not really loving Texas or you're in the San Antonio area, you can make it an appoint to go see the Roadrunners in the beautiful Alamo Dome, might I add. There's just a lot more there. I just think there it's a lot it's a lot um nicer of a program. No offense to North Texas Stadium, but it, it's not the Alamo Dome. It and I, I know sometimes the Alamo Dome it, it's not as it doesn't have that soul that you find in a regular stadium, but North Texas Stadium doesn't look great. Those V-looking stands in the end zone. The, the tail. It's the, the, tails. the tail. Yeah, the like I, I just – it doesn't look nice. Um, I don't know. I just feel like – I just feel like UTSA just looks better. Their uniforms look better too. Um, well, and, and Jeff Trailer's done an incredible job of selling that program to the city. Yeah. Another thing, yeah, and I think that that's the other thing. Latrell wasn't Jeff Taylor or Jeff Trailer, and like, not a lot of people are. I don't know. I just, I don't know. Like you said, there was some stability there for the first time in a while. Um, listen, they're probably going to get bad. It's probably going to get bad before it gets okay again. But you know, we shall see. They do have a bowl game against Boise State, so we we'll have to see if they have the the usual hey our coach just got fired we're gonna play out of our minds right now um we'll see i don't think that's gonna happen i think boise state's gonna knock it to him especially after the loss to fresno um which we will be getting to very shortly um before we talk about championship week jay can we talk about akron buffalo for a second let's go ahead and talk about akron buffalo like akron buffalo so i wasn't originally gonna put this on our docket Okay, so the only reason why this game is being played at this time is because of the giant blizzard in Buffalo. Um, Akron is two and nine or two and eight at the time. They did lose this game. Um, Two wins on the season uh, beat St. Francis in overtime, uh, who is FCS, uh, and then beat Northern Illinois, who is limping at this point. Um, And you look at Akron, and you're like, oh, God, like this isn't, you know, this team's terrible. And then they. Oh, my God. They had this game one big interception at the end. And then when they had the big interception, they coughed it right back up to Buffalo. Buffalo ends up scoring with um, like a minute to go. And Akron ends up losing this football game. Now, Jay, before you say, before anyone says this Akron team is bad, which they are. They are not a good football team. I'm going to read. Excuse me. I'm going to read to you some games. So they get blown out by Michigan State and Tennessee. Fine. Then they lose to Liberty by nine. Okay. You know, uh, Liberty is has been solid all year. 
lose to three to Bowling Green. Um, they do lose by three touchdowns to Ohio. Then they lose to seven to Central Michigan. They lose by six to Kent State. They lose by six to Eastern Michigan. They blow out Northern Illinois. They lose by one to Buffalo. Um, and then they did lose um, a game to Miami of Ohio by 19 or 18. Now, that is a lot of one-score games. That is one, two, three, four, five. That is five one-score games that they lost. Okay? Listen, I said last year Joe Moorhead, Joe Moorhead probably shouldn't have taken this job because I don't know of anyone that can win. Akron is one of the hardest programs to win at. But they're getting competitive. The only thing that is going to hurt them next year is that they are losing every I think they're losing 5 out of their 7 front 7. I think that is really going to hurt them. But um unless some guys have some extra years of eligibility that they want to do, but all of them can graduate if they want. But I think Akron, I don't know. I, I think Joe Moorhead actually has them kind of trending in the right direction. Uh, they're a lot more competitive. Buffalo, this game meant everything to Buffalo, and they almost gave it away. They, I mean, Akron, it was like a hot potato at the end of the game to actually who won this. But I don't know. Can Akron be – can Akron move up in the MAC ranks? I mean, I think they can. I think Joe Moorhead's a good coach. I think – Honestly, I feel like Akron's probably a better fit for him than Mississippi State was. Uh, but we'll see. I mean, I think there's a – the thing about the MAC too, is I feel like all it takes is a little bit of momentum going your way, and you can move up pretty quickly. Uh, I mean, even with Northern Illinois last year, uh, the year before, in, in 2020, they, they – you know, it, it seemed like the program was really flagging. And then all of a sudden last year, they come out of nowhere and they win the 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 Mac, right. so it it can it can change in a hurry, especially with the portal. That's that's the other thing too. I feel like the whole constitution of a program can change pretty quickly. But uh, props to Buffalo for getting bowl eligibility. Uh, they had a really rough start to the game too. That was yeah. the thing. I mean, there was you know special teams issues. I mean, basically everything that could have gone wrong for Buffalo to start uh, did. And then they rallied. So uh, hats off to them for for rallying and getting two bowl eligibility to make sure they are able to go to a game. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, that that transfer portal can I think help in the MAC because I think a lot of guys think grass is always greener. Jump in the portal, and they're like, oh crap, no one. I'm not getting the offers I thought think I was going to get or thought I was going to get, and they end up going to MAC. But I've seen this work against MAC teams as well. Central Michigan should have been a very good team this year, and they had like five or six guys off on their defense transfer out. I mean, I see a lot of MAC teams where that happens, where guys have good years, and, and I think they think that they're going to just jump to a better team, and they end up making lateral moves or moves down, which I think eventually it will even out. Where I don't think we'll see as many guys in the portal. Um, I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. But uh, moving on from there, uh, we have, you know, we already talked about North Texas a little bit. Uh, North Texas at UTSA. Uh, I kind of like, by the way, that uh, some conferences play the games on campus for, for the conference cool. championship. Yes. I kind of like that. Uh, but UTSA hosting them in the, uh, the Alamo Dome. Obviously, uh, 
you know, they had a good contest earlier in the season. Uh, this was close for a little bit. UTSA runs away with it. Meep, meep. Uh, Frank Harris had a great game. Uh, I like kind of uh, another thing I kind of like that's different. Uh, the quarterback wearing zero. It's kind of fun. Oh, uh, but that uh, that receiving core at UTSA, I mean, we talked about it a lot going into the season. Uh, there's just so much talent there uh, that the, the Roadrunners are going to miss uh, going forward. But uh, hats off to UTSA. I mean, we wanted to see if Trailer could uh, sustain it. And now uh, he's got another conference championship under his belt. And UTSA is ranked headed into their bowl game. Yeah, uh, UTSA is finally ranked. Yes, and Frank Harris, man, 341 yards, four touchdowns, ran for another to make a five for the day. Um, Roadrunners, huge second. Uh, this game was close. Um, they had a giant second quarter, 21 unanswered points. Um, Austin Noon um, had, didn't have the best day, um, but I, I forgot and I was kind of reminded that he's 29 years old. He's older than like, me. Yeah, he's older than <laughs> you. And, like, I don't know. I guess – and, again, I did watch some North Texas games. And maybe I was – maybe I was, like, flipping through. But I kind of forgot that he was playing professional baseball. He was playing, like, summer league for the Yankees. Um, like, he was, like, in those smaller single A's. Uh, not, like, the major league regular single A's, like – summer league single a or something else like that. Like I'll play in Florida or something. Um, but no, um, listen, uh, North Texas, they got to play, uh, again, they have to go up and play Boise state. Um, UTSA North- plays who Troy. That's, a, that's uh, yeah. that's a matchup. I'm really excited about. Yeah. It's big. Uh, and we'll, we'll talk about the Trojans. Sunbelt champ versus conference USA champ. Yep. I love uh, on, I on love one that. side, like, I hate that two group of five teams against each other. I kind of like to see them get a chance to prove themselves against the Power yeah. Five team. But at the same time, this is a fantastic matchup as a ball fan. I feel the same way. Troy has that, and we're going to talk about it later. But Troy has a scary good defense, so it's yeah. going to be it's going to be fun to watch. Um, Pac twelve, uh, Utah versus USC in Las Vegas in that soulless Death Star of a stadium. Um, first, I just want to say first. I would have loved to see this game if Caleb, Caleb Williams didn't get hurt. Uh, fought through injury, um, but man, that defense is bad. Like, the trenches were soft, the secondary was soft, and it's a shame because USC has that receiving core and Caleb Williams are elite. Are elite. They are probably the best quarterback receiving core in the country, maybe probably Ohio state might be better than them, but these guys are amazing. And Caleb Williams goes down. He tries to play through injury. Um, and Utah just out physical them in the second half. The Utes win the PAC 12 championship, have a date with my Nittany lions in the Rose bowl. Yeah. You know, I, I likened Utah to a, a boxer, kind of working the body. Uh, USC is kind of able to slow him down early in the contest. Uh, Utah just puts in the work, keeps pounding the body, keeps pounding the body. All of a sudden, they have a hu- couple of huge runs, big broken tackles to seal the game. Uh, Jaquin and Jackson, I mean, what a what a performance by him. 
it it was fun to see how physical this Utah team was. Uh, I think the physicality just really took over in the second half. Uh, you know, obviously USC has a lot of weapons, but they have to get better in the trenches. And part of me is kind of glad they're not going to the playoff just because I think it would have been uh, a little bit of an ugly scene for a USC team that uh, gets kind of dominated up front anytime they play somebody with a little bit of physicality. Uh, next up, we talked about Mac a little bit earlier. Uh, the Mac Championship, Toledo at Ohio. Uh, so this one was played at Ford Field, right? Uh, yeah, in Detroit. In Detroit. Okay. Uh, don't love Ohio that. didn't. Yeah, don't love don't that. Love but that. Ohio, Ohio didn't have their starting quarterback, Nathan Rourke. Uh, it's just a. It's just a Mac bummer. Player of the year. He was the Mac Player of the Year in that era. Listen, that air raid offense in Ohio was really freaking good all year long and their defense stepped it up against Toledo um but they just they couldn't they just couldn't get anything going on offense um Toledo great defensive plan um shut down backup CJ Harris who is more of a runner he's going to more RPO you read option with you um Toledo took care of business on defense. I do like the Bobcats. God, I wish Nathan Work would have played in this game. Um, but play this on a college campus. No one from Ohio or Toledo is going to travel to Ford Field. Put it on a campus. Yeah. Put it in Athens but or, or Toledo. But anyway, Jay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, I just – I wish Work would have been healthy. I think uh, the Bobcats won with Work. I mean, that's the whole reason I took Toledo uh, betting was because Work was out, but – it still would have been nice to, to see the Mac player of the, the year uh, participating. Uh, now we head to my neck of the woods in Arlington uh, for TCU and Kansas State, a rematch from earlier in the season. Uh, Max Duggan is still supremely tough, uh, but, man, I I don't know about that play calling there at the end of the game. I, I just don't know. Goal? I would have kicked the field goal. Yeah, I, I love the ballsy move by Sonny Dykes. Um, that's how he's been doing it all year. And that's the thing. Y- you go – you got there playing with a lot of guts. Um, you're going to continue to do that. Um, I, it's easy for us to say now that he should have kicked the field goal. But um, Kansas State, man, what a win. Listen, Deuce Vaughn. And I know the comparisons have already been there, and I know this is probably going to be a very lazy take. But, God, doesn't Deuce Vaughn look like Darren Sproles? Yeah. Yeah, and it's, it's been said. Uh, yeah, I like know. Said, it's I been mean, said so we, much. We all, but... we all have said it. but I know. It's it's just there. I mean, it's right there. How are we not going to say it? Uh, that, that 40-yard run he had uh, for the touchdown was just – I mean, you don't want to give this guy any any kind of space. No. Uh, if you have him in the open field, uh, you might as well just call it a touchdown because he is so squirrely, so hard to so hard to to hit. Do you feel he kind he kind of goes under the radar a bit when talking about some of these great backs? Because you know we talk about Bijan and and we talk about some of these other guys, and I just feel like Deuce Vaughn kind of gets like, uh, but. Another part of that is just I think the running back field this year is so stacked. Mm-hmm. You talk about Bijan Robinson, Mo Ibrahim, uh, Chase Brown, Blake Corum. Uh, I mean, Rocket, he didn't have a, uh, didn't have Rocket a good Sanders year. from Arkansas. Yep. 
He didn't uh, have a good year, Tank Bigsby. He didn't have a good year, but like another Devon A Chain. I mean, I'm, yeah, I know A-chain, I'm biased yeah. because no, I'm an AM guy, but like there's so much Corum, running back talent this Corum, year. Corum and Edwards at Michigan. Yeah. Um, so I, I do think Deuce Vaughn kind of gets under goes under the radar a bit. Um, I, I mean, and then uh, what's his name from ECU too? I mean, there's uh, oh oh my god, um, Keaton Mitchell. Keaton Mitchell, yeah. I mean, there's just so much Juice. running back talent this year, so that's that's part of the problem too. I think. No, it, that is true. Um, I had the I had I had Kansas State money line. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry. All right. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I'm glad TCU is still in the playoff. And we'll talk right about call. that there at the end. One hundred percent the right call. Yeah, and let's not forget TCU did beat Kent State earlier in the season. Uh in my in my mind, uh when you split the series with a team, uh it just doesn't count. It's just a zero in my mind. I know I'm oh, the only right. person that thinks like that, but yep. uh it's one and one. So yep. one minus you one can, is zero. You can avenge the loss and propel you. But if it's if you win and then lose the game, it should cancel out. Yeah, yeah, uh, uh, I feel that. I feel that. Which, speaking of that, uh, UCF went back to Tulane, and we had a completely different story in the American Athletic Conference Championship. Yes. Uh, green wave rolled. Roll wave, baby, my green wave. Um, UCF. I almost wanted to throw my remote. At the broadcast, um, Tulane scores early in the fourth quarter to go up 17, and the broadcast says, that could do it. And I and I thought to myself, are you a bunch of idiots? You just jinxed this team. And UCF cut it to three. But uh, Mike Pratt, just a fantastic game from him. Um, Tulane had 648 yards of offense. 648 yards of offense. Um, Michael Pratt, great day for him. Listen, for all those people that put up their nose at group of five teams, okay, I think the one was, the one quote was, Tulane will never fill their little stadium. And, dude, that place looks so cool. They're doing some kind of chant after the touchdown, which I'm not sure what it is. Um but they were doing like chants after the touchdown. The place looked it was like it was great. Our boy Mike Barker at what stormed the field with them. Um, <laughs> that looked really cool. Uh, a couple people wiped out right in front of them. Um, but again, like dude, that's New Orleans, and I know the stadium's small, but it's in New Orleans. Like the big ticket in town is uh, the Saints. You have a lot of people go from there to Baton Rouge for LSU. And that just shows that, like, embrace – if you have a tie to a group of five school, okay, embrace it. Embrace it. Go to those games. Go to the games. Support it. Like, well, even if you don't have a tie, just go watch. It's college football, yeah. man. If you live in the area, go. Go to these games. It's college football. It's awesome. Like, Of course, Tulane's kind of cheating. They do have more SEC championships than Texas A&M does. They do. They do. How long is that Tulane? <laughs> Tulane was in the SEC for how long? Probably so like Tulane years. was in the SEC from 1932 to 1965. Well, they've been in there. They were in there for quite a 
a while. They have they have three, so that's averaging a, a championship a decade, though. So Texas A&M is behind. Yes, that's correct. They're behind. They're behind. Uh, um, <laughs> but great, that's enough to talk about Texas A&M. Awesome great, scene in New Orleans. Oh, my God. It was great. I, I was wearing my Tulane shirt, too. Um, it was good. Listen, here's the thing. I think USC is a great slot for them or is, is, is a great um, matchup for them in this Cotton Bowl because two le- or USC doesn't play a lick of defense, and this is going to turn into a freaking shootout, I think. Um, I think USC is better, obviously, um, but I think if they would have played against any other team, I think Tulane gets beat badly. This game might be close because I don't, I don't know if USC is going to be able to stop them. It's going to be intriguing. Very, very intriguing. I'm going to see where this line is later yeah. on because I'm interested in it. But, yeah, um, big, big, uh, great weekend in Nolens. Yeah. Sunbelt action uh, up next. Uh, Coastal at Troy. Uh, this so we was didn't know Grayson McCall. Yeah. We didn't know if Grayson McCall was going to play. Uh, also, I feel really betrayed by Jamie Chadwell. Uh I just I'm I'm heartbroken right now. I'm I'm so heartbroken. But uh I get it. I mean, there's a little bit more money at the program that he left to, which shall not be named. Uh we're just not gonna give him the airtime anymore on this podcast. Uh Troy just happened to I mean, their defense has been solid all year and they came out with a game plan and it worked. The the Trojans are uh a, a Great physical football team. I mean, you look at their schedule, and they have a loss to they have a loss to Ole Miss on the schedule. That's not a bad loss. Uh, they have. Oh, the, 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 if I remember correctly, did they hang? Yeah, them? they did. They, I mean, it was. I think eighteen points was the was yeah. the final spread, but like that's not a bad loss no, uh, on the road at Ole Miss. Uh, and then they lose on a hail mary to to Appalachian State. Yeah. This could very very easily be a one loss team. Uh, so hats off to Troy. I mean, impressive season again. Very excited for that UTSA matchup. Yeah. Um, listen, I, I put on on our picks on Twitter that if um, McCall doesn't play, you take Troy at whatever you can get him at. Uh, McCall played, and it was still like I thought. It. it I thought this game was going to be a lot closer with McCall playing, but you look at McCall's statistics. 29 for 41, not terrible. 319 yards, three touchdowns, 113 uh, rushing yards by Coastal's offense. Coastal outgained Troy. Um, now, I do think a lot of that was in garbage time. Um, Coastal kind of put up some numbers towards the end. But I just think Troy's defense is so good, and they don't get enough credit. Um, but the Trojans win the Sun Belt again, and they very well deserve it. Listen, when Neil Brown was there, Troy was pretty good. And then when he left, everyone thought, eh, can, can we get back to that? And it's been a couple of years, and Troy is in a better spot than West Virginia maybe. Um, but, yeah, Troy is looking really good right now. Um, Coastal. Do you think Coast? listen, I'm not big on um, – Coaches leave, uh, losing the locker room. I think it's overused, but I, you got to ask. Do you think the players knew Chadwell was gone? And do you- I don't think so, because uh, I mean there were times when Coastal just was handled this year uh, throughout Before. the year, and I don't. Yeah, 
I mean, you look at last week with with Coastal and, and James Madison, and uh, as good as they have been, I think people are also kind of just starting to figure out the scheme in the Sun Belt. I think that was part of it as well. Uh, I don't. I don't think Coach Chadwell light, lost the locker room. Uh, you know, again, I can't really root for him anymore, but. Uh, he was a lot of fun to watch. I mean, Old Dominion kind of handled Coastal early this year too. Yeah, it was forty nine twenty one. So I think I don't think he lost the locker room. I think yeah. it was just one how of those about, deals. Before we move on to the Mountain Best, how about Coastal and App State both with only six lo- or only six wins? Like, and those were like pretty much your two favorites going in usually. Well, yeah. Coastal finished nine and three. Oh, they, they had did? they had six wins in conference. So they went six oh, okay, conference. that's what I'm sorry, my fault. Yeah. yeah, but App State didn't they have the App State had six wins total. App State had six wins total, and they're not bowl eligible because two of those wins were against uh, FCS programs. I kind of like it. I don't know. I'm I'm starting not to like their fans. Their, App their State fans, fans. State fans are hostile. Like they are. Ho- I love. Listen, I love the the. I can respect it. I love that it's a hostile place to play, but I've seen like videos of like App State people throwing stuff at play, like the throwing stuff at the players, throwing stuff at other fa- like. It's a rough. It's rough to be an opposing fan and going there. Um, yeah, when I when I go to to Kid Brewer, I'm definitely going to go as an App State fan. Oh yeah, you got to wear black or or whatever. But we've always said it. I've seen a lot of petty Twitter fights between Coastal and App State fans. I love this rivalry. It is it's becoming fun. one. Of, it's becoming one of my because it's just so different. Both teams are so different in so many ways. The color schemes, where they are, like like again, you got the beach versus the mountains, light colors versus dark colors, you know, the surf surf versus snowboard. Like it's a lot of fun. I absolutely love it. Um, and all right, and speaking of snowboarding, uh, oh, Mountain West, uh, Mountain West. How, how about that transition? So we, we talked about it in the preview last week. When Fresno State lost to Boise State earlier in the year, they didn't have Jake Hayner. They get Jake Hayner back. It makes a big difference. It makes a huge yeah. difference. Huge difference. Not Listen, Hayner didn't have the best day either. Okay, he hit a couple guys, but he didn't have the best day. But they took the pressure off their defense. Last time they played, they couldn't get anything going, and Boise State just like wore them down all game. Also helped Fresno State. Two huge punt returns, one for a touchdown. Again, Hayner, not a great day, but did enough to at least keep the pressure off that defense. Fresno wins, and Jay also, I had Bulldogs money line again, so I had two money lines over the weekend. I am red hot. Okay. There you uh, go. Dogs, <laughs> big win. Yep. Uh, SEC, another dogs with a big win. Georgia over LSU. Uh, this one was just never close. I mean, LSU kind of acted like they were going to hang around uh, after, you know, driving down the field or had that 53-yard pass to tie it up in the first quarter. And then Georgia took over, and this game was over before half. Uh, You know, LSU kept trying. They kept trying to get back in the game. It just – I think it was more of Georgia taking their foot off the gas than anything else. Yeah, LSU's defense is not good. Like, listen, Georgia's de- Georgia's offense is good. I don't think it's as dominating as people think it is. I think it's very good still. 
and they just had their way with LSU. Yeah. Um, it's definitely not as good as it was last year. No, absolutely not. Uh, Jay, uh, going for two up uh, the 823, uh, fair or foul? This is the second week in a row that he's done this, too. That's what's really funny because he did it he against, against A&M, too. Oh, he did against A&M. Yeah. So he, uh, I guess if there's one thing that you're going to learn about uh, Brian Kelly, he's going to go for two if he has 23 points. I don't know if he just like really doesn't like 24 or what. But, uh, no, no. That's Georgia. Oh, did Georgia go for two? Georgia went for two. Okay. Georgia I went saw... for two to make it from 48 to 50. I actually really appreciate that. It's probably – so LSU went for two when it was 42-23. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh. Well, and... then Georgia responded then and went for two after because I was already yeah. kind of checked out of this game at that point. I was watching Fresno, so I didn't see the first two-point conversion. Now, I did see Georgia go for two to make it for 50. Yeah, so it was – I didn't even realize that. But, yeah, Georgia went for two after LSU had gone for two. So that's uh, two weeks in a row that Brian Kelly has gone for two at 23 points. And uh, maybe Georgia did send a little bit of a message there. I wouldn't pay any attention oh. to that. But that's, uh, that's pretty funny. Yeah, you're going to go for two? Okay, so are we. Hey, uh, I, but, that's uh, also a welcome to the SEC, Brian Kelly. Yeah. I will say uh, Nussmeyer was kind of slinging it whenever he came in in relief yeah. for uh, Jaden Daniels. So mm-hmm. that could be something that uh, – that LSU looks forward to as well as Keishon Booty is coming back, he announced uh, today. So okay. that's a win right. for LSU if you're an LSU fan. Definitely uh, a win. But, yeah, this was Georgia dominance. Nothing surprising there. Uh, Clemson, North Carolina. Uh, Clemson just kind of cooked them. Uh, you think, uh, do you think that Dabo, his loyalty may have cost Clemson a playoff berth by – Sticking with DJU instead of playing Cade Klubnik a little bit more. No, because uh, Klubnik is a freshman. Um, sometimes it's good to have the veteran on the pulse there, um, especially with that Notre Dame game earlier in the year. Um, I think he was comfortable enough to say, hey, we." I think the kid's ready. We can put him in now. Listen, Dabo's done it before. He switched guys up. Um, I don't think he's afraid to do that. I think he may have been a little worried to do it sooner because you know what you're going to get with DJ. You don't know what you're going to get with Klubnik. Um, I think that I think Dabo saw, hey, I think this is the time to do it. This is the time to let it rock. Now, I will say this, Jay. North Carolina's defense is bad, Okay. I think you kind of know, hey, this kid has the tools to beat these guys because he's just that much better. I would like to see Klubnik uh, in the bowl game against Tennessee. Even though Tennessee's defense isn't good either, um, I think that defense is better than North Carolina's. And I am, I'm interested to see how this kid handles a little bit of pressure because um, Tennessee's going to give him a little bit. So I am interested in that. Um, also everyone that's listening and Jay, I have been on this North Carolina is not good train pretty much the entire year. And it brings me joy 
to watch them crash and burn a little bit. Um, Drake May with his comments about NC State. Love that NC State got him. Um, and listen, um, Klubnik, 20 for 24, 279 yards, QBR of 94. Hell of a day. Um, Clemson only had four sacks, but Mac Brown said it best. Uh, he didn't prepare for Klubnik. He prepared for DJU, and they gave him something a little bit different. And they said they kind of had a rally. They kind of had to change their game plan a little bit, and it was kind of too late. But Clemson just dominated this game up front. Defensively, again, North Carolina is good. Their their offensive line doesn't do well in pass protection. They don't do well running the football, and Clemson ate them alive. And I just think that was kind of the tail of the game. And. North Carolina isn't ranked anymore, right? And they shouldn't be. So uh, it, it, it was nice to see it happen. It was nice. Um, but, yeah, uh, Clemson over UNC, and it wasn't even close. Yep. Uh, that was just uh, – I think you kind of expected that one. I, I think you have been beating the drum on North Carolina not being in, so it was a little bit fulfilling. But uh, next up, Big Ten play. Uh, Purdue and Michigan. Uh, I think Purdue, if they're able to score in the red zone uh, and not kick field goals, mm-hmm. I think that makes a, a a huge difference in this. Obviously, on the score sheet, it does, but that was the uh, the the driving point here. Uh, Michigan held Purdue to field goals, and that's you know as a defense uh, playing against a, a pretty good offense with Aiden O'Connell. Uh, bend but don't break, and they did what they needed to do to win the game. Uh, and I mean, Michigan's going into the playoffs undefeated. I mean, hats off to Harbaugh. Yeah. If only, if only Rutgers had uh won that contest, you might be in a better if position only, as a Penn State if, fan, huh? If only Rutgers made it, always comes back to Rutgers, kick them out, kick them out of the Big Ten. Um, listen, <laughs> uh, Purdue hung around, uh. Listen, when you – and, Jay, you can attest to this. When you get into the red zone, everything shortens up, okay? It's big on big. It's man-to-man defense. Um, and I don't think Purdue had the the hosses to kind of take advantage of things down in the paint um, in, in that short-yarded situation. Um, but Aiden O'Connell, man, what a gutsy performance after the death of his brother, his older brother. Um, played a heck of a game, but yeah, Purdue, man, they pulled out all the stops, dude, the the fake flea flicker was amazing. I, I absolutely loved it. That play can go really wrong in a hurry though. It could, he got it. It was like, it's like a draw. It's like a draw. Um, but I think you have to, you have to run like. You have to run two or three flea flickers the week before. I don't know if Purdue did against Indiana. You got to run that multiple times to set it up. So the guy's like, oh, flea flicker. Let's get in flea flicker position. And then you run it like a draw. But uh, Purdue played hard. Listen, when you play Michigan, and this is what I said when, when Penn State played Michigan, you have to play great gap responsibility. And you could tell there were times where when Purdue played good gap responsibility, they did pretty well against Edwards. But then they showed the times they tried to duck underneath. 
They show times where they tried to beat him with speed. And you can't. You have to put your face into the – you have to keep outside arm free, and you have to hold your gap down. If you try – and, Jay, correct me if I'm wrong as a defensive lineman, okay? If sometimes as a defensive lineman, if you try and, quote, unquote, make the play, you open up the hole. Yep. And and I think – that's kind of what Purdue was doing. Their linebackers were doing that. There there were times where their linebackers were like, I don't want to get blocked here, so I'm going to try and beat them to the edge, or I'm going to try and be around them, and then that opens up the hole. You cannot do that against Michigan. You can't. They're too big. They're too physical. They will wall you off. And what they did to start the half, watch the first play from scrimmage in the second half. They put everyone in the box. They switched tight ends over to the left side, and then they knew if the outside linebacker goes D-gap, because now there's a D-gap because of the tight end, okay, because it's an overload set, they're going to wash down, and now it's Dylan Edwards versus a defend, uh, versus a nickel. Who do you think's going to win? Braylon Edwards. One missed tackle. And now he's gone for 40, 50 yards. And tell you, that they did it against Penn State. Penn State guys, uh, they had some younger dudes trying to run around. And that's what they did against Purdue. You have to play great, sound, disciplined, gap responsibility defense if you're going to beat Michigan. You cannot beat them. You have to be super fast to beat them. And I think Ohio State was for a couple years. Now Michigan's got bigger dudes and they have guys that are just going to push you around, and that's what they took advantage of when they played Purdue. Yep, and uh, sets them up nicely for the playoff, which, good transition. Here we go. The committee. The uh, Dude, I mean, I must have just <laughs> looked at so many different PowerPoint transitions when I grew up that I just became a human transition machine. Uh, the committee. Gave us number one, Georgia, number two, Michigan, number three, TCU, number four, Ohio State. Start off by saying, yes, they got it right. Yeah, got it right. Uh, 100% they got it right. Um, you know so glad Alabama's is? not in. No, and you know what the thing is? I think the committee, for the most part, does get the top four right. I think they, they do. do. They do. And listen, I'm not a person. Again, everyone talks about 2016 Penn State, and I don't. Listen, I know they had guys hurt. I understand they won the conference championship, but they lost, they lost two games. They lost to Pitt, and they um, lost to Michigan. And I know they had guys hurt those two games, and I know their defense was depleted. I know they won the conference, and I know they Ohio State head-to-head, but they had two losses. Ohio State had one. You put them in. I'm sorry. That's just how it goes. Um, now, with this, Jay, you tweeted something. And I had I had to comment. Um, people were angry at Nick Saban for going on to the Big Ten Championship, might I add, on Fox. How that happened, I have no idea. And basically got to state his case of why his team should be in. And I said, and, and you said, you know, you can't be mad at Nick Saban for advocating for his team, which is true. What well, what is Nick Saban gonna say? Hey, we don't deserve it, or hey, you know, we might get in, we might no, man. He's going to advocate for his team, even if his, you know, what the line will be and who beats who is is, is kind of silly. Um, 
we're not, we should be mad at Nick Saban. We should be mad at Fox for allowing it to happen. I I don't know what the line of thought is there either because Fox doesn't have the SEC. It's your competitor. I don't I don't know. Uh, it it makes no sense. Did the SEC people, the powers that be, the 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 men in suits in a room say we should send Nick Saban to the Big Ten people so he can state his case and maybe he can flip somebody? I don't know. Like. I think that's how it works. That was just strange because my thing is, um, you know, Dabo, did Dabo get time to state his case? Ryan Day, see, here's the thing. Ryan Day had a chance to state his case during game day, okay? Which, fine, but have Saban on during game day. Have them both on. I don't care. That's a universal, like, it's an everyone show. Fine, whatever. But during halftime of a Big Ten game, Nick Saban has five minutes to lobby for his team. And I know Ryan Day – no, did Ryan Day even – yeah, Ryan. I know Ryan Day had it on Friday after the USC game. But still, like, did should Dabo have one? Dabo has two losses, right? Clemson has two losses, right? Yeah. Why doesn't Dabo get a, get a chance no. to, to – Yeah, I agree. Game? I mean, so – Again, the gripe is with the the networks, not no. not with Saban. No, there were I people know. that were mad at Saban. I'm just like, come on. Okay, I mean, no. what's he gonna say? It's like it's like a a fighter saying that you want a fighter to just go out there and be like, oh, I'm probably gonna get knocked out. So why yeah. am I? You know, of course like, he's gonna say he's gonna win. Yeah, I yeah. mean, come on. Uh, yeah, absolutely. But uh, um, you know what would happen if this was a 12 team playoff? Alabama would be in. They would. So here's the matchups for this 12-team playoff. Okay, I have problems with this already. I'm already – we haven't even got there. And I pro- and listen, I'm for expansion. Obviously, I'm a Penn State fan. Like, I need to – I love expansion because if we had expansion in the beginning, State would be in four playoffs. Just, just saying. Uh, and then would have made one as well, uh, 2020, the, the COVID year. Yeah. I mean, well, technically, no, sorry. Penn State probably would have been in three times counting this year. The fourth time in 2019 would have been a little, eh, I don't know if they would have been in or not. But let's just say, for, for argument's sake, at least three times. The outlook, of the, the outlook of the program would look so much better than it is. But anyway, this is what they would look like. It would be Georgia, Michigan, fine. Clemson and Utah, okay? I actually kind of like that matchup. I think it'd be kind of interesting. What, the top four? No, Clemson and Utah. As a matchup, I just think that'd be interesting. It it would be, but they're not going to play. I mean, they would have played each other out the bat. But no, that would be a cool matchup. But first round matchup. Here, okay. So those teams, the first, the four teams I mentioned get a bye. Then okay. it's TCU, TCU five versus Tulane, who's twelve. Fun, fun matchup. I like it. Okay, but I and I don't agree with it here. Group, the group of five guys are going to be very unhappy with what I'm about to say. But group of five teams have to earn their way in you cannot have two losses okay 
and just jump from 16 to 12. Uh, but let me ask you something. Yes. Is Kansas State in the playoff? Right now? In the 12 team. In the 12 team? No. Kansas, Kansas, wait, no. Kansas State would be in. Yes, Kansas State would be in. Tulane has a win over Kansas State. I can justify it that way. I hate when you're logical. Uh, no. <sighs> okay. Okay. If you want to, if you want to logistically say that, fine. <laughs> but if we start having group of, I five do think teams, they have to earn. I do think they have to earn their way in. It can't. If they have three losses, they don't deserve to be in. This is it. Listen, I'm not saying like UCF. They were had one loss, or even not even the undefeated year. UCF having one loss, Memphis having one loss, Western Michigan being undefeated. Put them in. They deserve to go. Absolutely. Um, but when – or Cincinnati when they only had one loss. Not only last Houston, year. Houston, I think under Herman. Houston, I think Houston under Herman had one. But, like, listen, I love Tulane. I've been beating the Tulane drum all year. Okay? 10 Tulane. Uh, I, I don't know. Okay, um, who who would be – who would not get – who gets screwed here? Washington? I think it's Washington, which, which sucks. I think a two-loss two Washington team gets screwed. Um, eh, I, I don't know. I, I'd rather Washington there. But if you want to throw them in there, fine. Um, you can justify it that way with they have a win over Kansas State. Okay. Um, Ohio State. Oh, by the way, I also believe that with the Cotton Bowl, too. I believe the Cotton Bowl shouldn't just be reserved for a group of five. Like, it, if it, it can't be a nine and three or, or I, sometimes a ten and two team. I think it just should, yeah. should, should, should just be two at-larges. But, again, that's, that's a story from another day. Um, next matchup will be Penn State going to the Horseshoe to play Ohio State. Um, we've seen this before. I mean, <laughs> I... I it would be fun. It to was have a good game. Cut. It was. I, listen, that score was closer than what it made it out to be. Um, a pick six and trying to do things down uh, eight points will do that to you. Um, so it'd be fun. Um, listen, Ohio State fans, they uh, – it's like Ohio State fans, I feel like, are always afraid to pay, play Penn State because Penn State always plays them very, very tough. Um I mean, I think Penn State has more wins over Ohio State since since the new millennium than like anyone else. I think. Oh, I think Clemson might have more, which is crazy. Just how, how many teams those teams have played each other, times those teams have played each other, um, or maybe Bama. I don't know. Anyway, Penn State always plays Ohio State tough, so I feel like Ohio State fans are always nervous when they play State, but it always seems like Ohio State just pulls it off at the end um so yeah we've seen this one before it would be a good matchup um seven versus ten alabama will host would host usc that would be fun um bama a little undisciplined uh usc very bad defense i think alabama would roll them actually um but it would be fun 
It would be. It would be fun to see all these teams again. And then and, and it gives teams more more things to play for longer into the season. Exactly. Exactly. One hundred percent. And then Tennessee and Kansas State, which I would love that matchup. I would love to watch Deuce Vaughn I would, I would run probably all State, over. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I would love to watch Deuce Vaughn and run all over Tennessee and Will Howard throwing up all sorts of stuff, man. I absolutely love it. So here's the thing. The playoff format. The top four teams should be the top four teams. I do not believe in giving uh, a conference champion the top four conference champions um, automatic bids. Or sorry, I'm in for them making automatic bids. I'm not into them getting first round buys. Getting first round buys because, like, let's face it, man. Um, TCU lost to Kansas State. TCU deserves to be third yeah. over Clemson and Utah. Um, yeah. You know, I, I agree. If, top top four should be the the top move, four. not not the best conference champions or whatever. So here's my other thing, Jay. They should get rid. I think they should get rid of uh, championship weekend, or that's when it should. Or move Army Navy up, and then move the and then have the first round, um, the 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 second or third the third weekend in December. It's like you kick off bowl week with you pick you kick off the bowl games with this. If we're gonna still have bowl games, are we gonna still have bowl games? I think so. Uh, okay. If, if at least for the group of five schools and you know some of the other uh, power five schools, but we'll see. Uh, Hang on, I have a, I have another question for. I'm asking lots of questions today. I have a dream, or I want you to. Can this scenario work, Jay? Okay, because you know New Year's Six bowls, people opt out. You know, Joey Porter's not playing for Penn State. Uh, the other opt outs on other teams, especially a lot of people like, going into the portal. Yes, especially teams like Clemson and Alabama, who they are not fired up to play a New Year's Six Bowl. That's not their goal. Um, that's not what they're not. A, they're not as excited as a Utah or a Penn State or team or teams like that. Now, I have a question, or maybe a scenario for you. This is my dream scenario for the future of the playoff. Okay, I already said I think the top four teams need to be need to have buys. Um, like for example, TCU should be able to keep their spot even though losing. Um, I think we should get rid of championship weekend. Whoever is at the top of the conference at the end and be like, hey, well, you can say, oh, well, Jake, what happens if both teams are eleven and one? Who's gonna Who's gonna go? Who's gonna win? Well, they're probably both in the playoff anyway, so. They're probably both Whoever's ranked higher gets the championship. They're pretty exactly, or have a tiebreaker. If they if play head to head, if they play head to head, if they don't play head to head, do how many? Which, I wouldn't be a hundred percent surprised if it goes away. If championship week goes away just because of the the size of the conferences. Yeah, uh, we'll, we'll see. But I mean, that's going to be interesting. But no, I would say no conference championships. It's um, again to have a tiebreaker if they're head to head, or if it's point differential. You know, if it's hey, who's giving up the least amount of points in conference play? I don't think it should be most points because you know Ohio State's going to put seventy on everyone. 
Yeah. Or as point differential times, is what yeah. it should be. Yeah. Point differential or, you know, how many, I don't know. There are ways to do this. Okay. Or hell put co-champions again, go back to co-champions. Um, listen, uh, like I said, uh, I've said this before, you know, 05 and 08, you know, Penn State has the trophy, but Ohio State still claims that they're, they were co-champions of the Big Ten those years, um, which they have enough trophies. I don't understand why why they need two others. Like, let us have one on our own. We beat you head-to-head, you yeah. sticker-loving idiots. Um, sorry. <laughs> um, so, okay, that's the first thing. Next, first two rounds need to be on campuses. And I agree with that. First the atmosphere round is going to be incredible. It is. And if you get a buy, right now you don't get to play at home. Do you know how much those towns lose in revenue? Because yeah. Or how much they can gain in revenue? Like, those top four teams are like, wait, this sucks. Like, they get a home game, and we get we have to go play at a neutral site. On top of that... I'm looking at Rose Bowl tickets, not a part of the playoff, by the way, this year. Rose Bowl tickets, and I know it's a prestigious name. For one person to go to the Rose Bowl, if you factor in ticket prices, which aren't that bad, they're $300, okay, your flight, your lodge, you are looking at, per person, $1,400 per person to go to the Rose Bowl. All right? And I know it's the Rose Bowl, so it's probably going to cost a little bit more. Um, I, I know it's very prestigious granddaddy of them all, but it's not a part of the playoff right now. So you want how you're going to expect people to travel to three of these things. Come on, man. This is what it should be. Yeah. And Jay, when, when I am college football commissioner, when we are co-commissioners of college football, um, this is what's going to happen. Um, listen, uh, Myers Arnold 2024. Um, this is what we need to do. First two games or first two rounds, home field. The Rose Bowl and the Sugar Bowl are your semifinals every year. They're your two most prestigious bowls. Keep them like that. Make them mean something. And if you win one of them and you lose in the final, you can still hang your head on, hey, we won the Sugar Bowl that year. Wasn't that cool? Or, hey, we won the Rose Bowl. Okay? Now, this is when things go off the rail. Are you with me so far? Yeah. yeah. Okay. This is where things are going to go off the rails. The first two rounds, okay? First two rounds. So we're talking second week of second week of December. And then wait, it'd be second week of December and then the third week or fourth week of December. Third week of December. Okay. If you lose, okay. You go to a console. You go to a consolation bowl, Fiesta Cotton, um, Fiesta Cotton Peach, something else against another loser. If you lose in one of the first two rounds, and then um, that's and then that's the end of your season. Because yeah. here's the thing: guys are gonna come. Guys are gonna opt out anyway. If even if even in the old format, guys are gonna opt out. So you're going to have dudes opt out anyway. But, all right, you lose that. You lose a first round. You lose the second round. Okay, you're going to play in this other bowl game. Okay, or if you just want to do the first round. If you lose in the first round, go to another bowl game or something like that. 
Um, I think first two rounds works. First two rounds. Because then, what do you have? You'll have eight teams. No. Yeah. No, you'll have, wait. Eight yeah, teams. You'll have, yeah, you have eight teams. Because okay, four are eliminated, and then you go, and then four more are eliminated. Right. So then, so then here's the thing. Here, Here's how, okay? So you have, you have eight teams, all right? It'd be perfect. You already have your semifinal with the peach and the sugar, or sorry, the, with the sugar and the rose. And then for these, you could split up those other eight teams between the peach, the cotton, the fiesta, and the orange. And there it is. Yeah. You still have big bowls. You have two semifinals. Guys are going to opt out regardless. Might as well play an extra consolation game. And it works. I think teams would still travel to them. I yeah. still think it's like, oh, hey, all right, we got knocked out. I still think fans, I still think, especially if they're lower ranked, I think fans will still go to those games, especially if they're and Especially if they out. haven't had a chance to play in one of those types of games. Exactly. In a while. I, I, I do think, I think they have to do it more regionally. You know, keep Southern teams in the South, you know, like all of that. Um, just to kind of get more people to go there. But I think that's best case scenario. All the other bowls are untouched. I don't know. I, I think that would be a dream scenario. I don't know if it happens. It'll probably never happen. I do think we can end up getting two home field games because those teams, the Alabamas and the Ohio States are going to, are going to really complain that they're not getting any of that revenue. Yeah. I, I think it works though. I mean, I like your scenario. I don't think they'll do it, but I like your scenario. When, Hey, when when we're on top of college football, when when we are the czar, we will we will, we will rule with an iron fist and implement this plan. Yes, absolutely. Um, and and speaking of iron and and statues and whatnot, uh, the Heisman finalists have been announced. Oh, do you, you want to hear the, who the Heisman finalists yes, are? I didn't I didn't see this yet. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, Caleb Williams, no surprise there. No. C.J. Stroud. Max Duggan, which I appreciate. This is the one that's a little bit questionable for me. Stetson Bennett. So I... And... Uh, Jay... I, I don't know that I would have put... Jay is frozen. We we almost made it through an entire episode without Jay being frozen. Uh... Stetson Bennett being announced with that list uh, froze Jay. Um, oh, my God. So, before Jay gets back on here, uh, my whole take on the thing. <sighs> hmm. I don't agree with Stetson Bennett. So I think you throw B I think Bijan Robinson should have been on there. Um over Stetson Bennett. Listen, I think Stetson Bennett is a good quarterback. I think he's a I think he's a really good quarterback, but he's surrounded by guys, man. Um I don't know he shouldn't be penalized for that, but he's he's just not I just don't think if you take Stetson Bennett out, I think George is still good. Um, Caleb Williams, we saw what USC is without Caleb Williams. 
You know, Max Duggan is a warrior who's done great for TCU. Um, CJ Stroud, great, um, really good at Ohio State. Um, I just think that this was where you could have put Bijan Robinson in there. Um, best back in college football. Um, I think he should definitely should have been in. Um, lastly, I'm going to end the episode with Army Navy. Uh, listen, this is a close one. Uh, right now, Army is only favored by one. I'm going to stay away from that, and I I would advise you guys to take the under now. Take it at 33 and a half. This game is quick. It's going to be lots of run, 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 run. Not a whole lot of pass. Um, but yeah, I would take Army in this. Make sure you watch a little bit of Army Navy. It's one of the best in all of sports. Um, from us at the Get Back Coach, uh, have a wonderful week.